Good evening, everybody. Hoping that everybody in this group passed a wonderful end to Sukkot and the Chagim as a whole and took the opportunity on Simchat Torah to both relax and rejoice as well in the festival. Today is Malachim Bet Peret Cafe, chapter 25 of the second book of Kings. It's the final chapter of the book and in many ways it's the final chapter of a very very large section of Tanakh. The Tanakh from when we first began reading it a year and a half ago, Bereshit chapter 1, is the narrative history of at first the world and then pretty soon after 11 chapters the Jewish people. The story of the promise which is given to Abraham, Yitzchak and Yaakov that their children will be strangers and enslaved in a foreign land in Egypt, but they will return to the land of Israel. And we read about that return in the book of Joshua, of the struggles to conquer the land and to settle the land in the book of Shoftim, of the eventual establishment of a monarchy in Sefer Shmuel and at the beginning of Sefer Malachim, the seeming conclusion, the achievement of the promise, the building of the temple under Shlomo HaMelech, King Solomon. That narrative comes to an end today. Our chapter will describe the burning, the destruction of the temple. It will describe the exile to Babylon, or to be more precise, two exiles, ten or so years apart from one another, one in chapter 24 and the other one in chapter 25, one of the elite, one of the common people. It is the end of this promise, the end of this vision which we had seemed to be moving to from the early sections of Bereshit. It is also the end of a narrative style of Tanakh. From Bereshit all the way through to Malachim and all the books in between, the books have been the narrative history of the Jewish people. This is now going to change from tomorrow's chapter as we begin the first of the great prophets, Yeshayahu. The book will then be made up not of an external narrator whose name we do not know, but rather of the prophet himself giving his own opinion. All of which is to say that both from the point of view of the content, the destruction of the temple, and the point of view of the style, the narrative history, our chapter brings all of this to a close. The previous chapters, and the ones which we would have done over Yom Tov 23 and 24 as well, give us a dizzying array of kings. It was only last week we met Manasseh, the supposedly worst king that Yehuda had ever had, who brought terrible abominations into the temple, into the land of Israel, for whom the prophecy was given that the temple in Jerusalem would be destroyed. We've gone through his son, we met in chapter 22 his grandson, Yoshiahu, who was the opposite of his grandfather, a great religious reformer in whose days the scroll was discovered, which may have been the whole Torah, it may have been Devarim, which led him to a series of 
extensive religious reforms, which seem to be seen by the author of the book of Malachim as making him the ideal king. But something which the author struggles with is how this ideal king will nevertheless, within two generations of his death, see the destruction of the temple. And the answer that the author gives is that Despite Yoshiahu's greatness, that was not enough to be able to overcome the evil that had so angered God, performed by Yoshiahu's grandfather, Menashe. We are told of Yoshiahu's death at Megiddo as he goes to fight against Paronovo, the king coming up from Egypt. This is all in chapter 23. And we're then told of Yoshiahu's son, and his grandson, his grandson who will be called, his name will be changed to Yehoiachin by the Babylonians. He will then be exiled by the Babylonians. We'll meet another king, a vassal king, Tzedekiah, who himself will rebel against the Babylonians. And in whose day, the temple will finally be destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and his deputy, Nebuzadran. Although the reason, the prophetic reason for the destruction of the temple, is God's anger at the abominations and the society that Manasseh has performed. And indeed this idea will go on to be elaborated by the Nevi'im, by Yirmiyahu especially, by Yechezkel, by prophets such as Micha. And in the Talmudic tradition there will be many reasons given for the destruction of the temple, focusing on the deterioration of the society, perhaps most famously the three reasons given in Masechet Yoma of Avodazara, Gilui Arayot, Shvichut Damim, idolatry, sexual perversions, the spilling of blood as the reasons for the destruction of the temple. Despite all of these prophetic religious and moral critiques, our chapter also describes another layer of reasons which one could call the political explanation. And that is something which all of the kings face, which they have faced for many times, and which becomes more and more acute in these final stories of the kings such as Jehoiachin and Sedekia and even Gedalia, that they are trapped between the great powers of East and West. Facing the dilemma, do they pay fealty to Bavel, the great power, to the north and the east, or to Mitzrayim, Egypt, the great power, to the south and the west. How do they balance between these two? Yoshiahu seemed to think that he would be able to win a battle against Paranavor. That was when times are good. He had established the kingdom, made it broader. But he died immediately at Megiddo. His children and grandchildren did not have such aspirations of power and grandeur, but instead sought to make alliances with either one or the other. And in fact, it is Tzedekiah's rebelling against the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, at the end of chapter 24, which is what precipitates the final assault on Jerusalem by the Babylonians. We're not told why Tzedekiah rebels, but we do know from other sources, from 
Yirmiyahu and Yechezkel, that there are pro-Egyptian factions in Jerusalem, pro-Babylonian factions. Presumably Tzedekiah was taken up by this. So furious is Nebuchadnezzar at this, that he himself seems to prosecute the siege of Jerusalem. It's astonishing when we think that this chapter contains the seeds of so much of Jewish history. This is the trauma which will continue to reverberate down the ages of the destruction of the temple. To this day, it is an ongoing source for so much of Jewish thought, Jewish identity. Even Jerusalem itself today refers and relates back to this original moment. At the end of the chapter, at the end of the book, there are two little stories. The final leader, even if he is something of a puppet leader in Yerushalayim, will be Gedaliah. Gedaliah, set up by the Babylonians, is murdered eventually, not by an external aggressor, but by Jews themselves. He has advised the people to remain there, to not be scared to serve the Babylonians. He is killed by the pro-Egyptian faction. This day may well be known to many listeners as the source for the fast of Gedalia, Tzom Gedalia, the day after Tisha B'Av, in which we mourn the internal divisions which have rent the Jewish people apart over history. But the book actually ends on a surprisingly different note. Uh, one could hardly call it positive, but a slight note of comfort. It tells us that after the exiles have taken place, after the elites were exiled in chapter 24, and several years later, the mass exile followed, Yehoiachin, the king who had been banished to Babel, who had been a prisoner there, suddenly now, in the 37th year, Shloshim V'Shevan Legalut Yehoiachin, a new king becomes king of Babylon, Evel Merodach. And at that moment, he takes Yehoiachin out of the prison. He speaks well to him. Raises his chair up amongst the other kings, the other prisoner kings, presumably, in Babel. Changes clothes. And he would eat bread in front of the king of Babel all of the days of his life. What seems to happen then at the end of the book of Malachim is that a slight change does take place. That there is a slight bit of light at the end of the tunnel. That despite the tragedy of the destruction of the temple, nevertheless there will be another day in the future, where the story will continue. One of my great teachers of Tanakh, Dr. Jonathan Grossman, had the following wonderful suggestion. This takes place in the 37th year of the exile. What is 37? 37 is a bit more than half of 70. 70 years the exile will be, exile will be slightly more than halfway through. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Looking forward to continuing with everybody on into the next stages of Tanakh tomorrow, Yishayahu.